Before we begin, I want to thank the sponsor of Oil & Gas Upstream, Oliva Gibbs. Oliva Gibbs provides clear legal solutions to complex oil, gas, and mineral law issues nationwide. We believe that when we focus on serving people, good things happen in the lives of our clients and employees. We just happen to be a law firm. Learn more at oglawyers.com. Oil and Gas Production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the Oil and Gas Upstream Podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen. Welcome to Oil and Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Melker, your host. Some of you know me as the former director for Oil and Gas Upstream Research at the U.S. Department of Energy. I retired from the DOE and founded a small oil and gas consultancy and became a podcast host. We're recording live today here at the CCUS conference at the University of Houston at the Hilton at U- University of Houston. This is the third year for the conference, and my understanding is that we have over 1,300 registered attendees and over 60 vendors in the exhibit area. It's very exciting, and there's a lot of great energy. So please forgive the background um, uh, uh, sounds as, you, as we are here in the exhibit hall uh, at the ARI booth, the Advanced Resources International booth. Now I'd like to introduce today's guests, Autumn Hogsma, Dave Riestenberg. All right, let's turn to Dave. Dave, um, tell us a little bit about your background and, of course, Advanced Resources International is a company that uh, the Department of Energy I worked with uh, for many years, made a lot of contributions, but let's start with you. <laughs> you got into this. Thanks, Elena. Um, yeah, I came uh, through my education a bit by a family tradition. Uh, my mother actually has a PhD in geology. Oh, my. So, Yay, Mom. Yeah, that's right. Girl power, um, right? So I've got an undergraduate in biology from a little school in Cincinnati, Ohio, called College of Mount St. Joseph, and then went on for a master's degree in geology at University of Tennessee. And when I was at UT, my UT. Um, that's right. We're in Texas. We're yeah, that's right. Um, the other UT. I, uh, I, I worked out at Oak Ridge National Laboratory, US DOE facility. And at the time, they were doing work, work on CO2 sequestration, although it was ocean sequestration at the time. Okay. We were talking about sequestering CO2 in ocean waters? In deep ocean waters at the time, um, wow. which, which is a, a natural sink for CO2. Um, and... Um, and so we got to do a lot of field research on that. Um, fact is, I got to go on several cruises off the uh, coast of California, where we uh, injected carbon dioxide and, and um, you know, in the mid-ocean, and then watched it sink. Around it where? I'm from California, CO2. so where? it was. This was uh, working with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research. Oh my God! I know exactly where that and is. Bari, so that's uh, Moss oh. Point, kind of near Carmel. I know Moss Landing. Moss Landing. Thank yeah, you. Um, yeah. And so, um, you know, the joke I say is that. Uh, Ocean sequestration, the advantage it has over onshore or underground sequestration is that the field sites are much prettier usually. (laughs) (laughs) But but the uh, support for that ran out. And, and, um, you know, I came into contact with the company I've worked for mostly ever since, which is Advanced Resources International, or ARI. Um, And at the time, they were doing a lot of work using CO2 for enhanced oil recovery, um, which does naturally... or 
um, as a kind of a byproduct of the EOR process, store CO2 permanently. And so, um, you know, I got to work in that aspect of storage uh, for, for quite some time with ARI. I've been there um, for about 20 years. Took a two-year hiatus to work for an EMP company um, doing shale gas work. And then, you know, largely, probably for the last 10, 15 years, it's been almost all a CO2 storage in the subsurface. It's been my focus of my work. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, I, as I said, I know ARI worked with DOE for a very long time and really helped shape some of DOE's thinking with respect to um, CCS, what's ending up being CCS. I don't know if you heard John Latinsky say earlier about we've been waiting for this opportunity for like 10 years or whatever. Yeah, the Department of Energy, um, that, you know, the coal side of the office uh, of fossil energy really was working on trying to sequester carbon, right? I mean, that's been a con- topic of conversation for many, many, for decades, right? Yeah. And so um, ARI helped DOE understand what some of the, you know, challenges would be. And, of course, it was always going to take big money. And so here we are. We've got, you know, finally we've got the big money to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, so Anam, tell us about um, the conference and tell us about launching the conference and your efforts there. This is our third year. This is my first time, but this is your third time. <laughs> it's been a really wonderful journey. Uh, so we started in, I'll say we started in 2020 because that's when the planning started. So it was right, right in the beginning of the pandemic. And um, I actually had a newborn at that time too. So it was just this, uh, this big uh, balance and, and juggling act. Um, but I was the uh, in the division of environmental geosciences within AAPG. Uh, I was the CCUS chair, um, and that committee was solely uh, me. <laughs> and uh, what we what we were really doing was making sure that CCUS was being represented at conferences at any of the the events. So it was really just helping pull in a session or like a, a couple of talks here and there. Um, we eventually put out uh, a special edition in the um, Environmental Geosciences Journal. And then after that kind of launched into this, hey, do you think we'd get enough interest to do a whole conference? And um, so w- we put our heads together and started to form a committee. And it just snowballed from there. It was uh, very incredible. Uh, our first conference launched in 2021. It was all virtual, and we had, um, ooh, I just lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Oh, sorry. Uh, we had about 500 attendees from around the world. Uh, we received enormous like positive feedback about this, and uh, a lot of people interested in seeing this continue to grow. And so then the next year, uh, things were starting to come back in person, and we had a hybrid event. Uh, in 2022, so that it was probably somewhere between eight and 900 people that attended. And now this year, we are at 1,300 plus uh, attendees registered, and all of our events are sold out. Our luncheons are sold out, workshops, field trips. Um, it has just been uh, incredible. Absolutely. So this is the first in-person conference for CCUS. Well, last year was a hybrid. So hybrid, but I mean, some, but do you have a, a virtual presence? We do this not time. have a virtual presence. Yeah, that's this what year. I that's yes. what I thought. So, yeah. 
wow, well, this is a big, big turnout for it being all in person. I was thinking, oh, I don't know why I thought that, but I was thinking there might have been a, a virtual piece as well. But no, you're definitely 100% um, in person, yeah. and you've got so many vendors. So did you have vendors at last year's, which was your hybrid event? We did. We probably had, I don't know, half of this amount that we have here. Yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> so, Dave, how did you get involved with the conference and, you know, this this whole space? I mean, ARI we know, but, I mean, it yeah. takes a lot of volunteer time to put all something off, you know, like this. And so... It, yeah, it does. Um, you know, ARI has always had um, a, a large presence in the Society of Petroleum Engineers, or SBE. And um, SBE started a technical section, you know, for internal and external outreach in CCUS probably five or six years ago. And, and I was the, um, the chairperson of that last year. And um, that's kind of around the same time that SPE joined in with AAPG and SEG to co-sponsor this conference. And so it was just natural for me to, um, to take a role in, in um, you know, co-chairing the conference. And so I came in uh, a bit riding Autumn's coattails from all the good leadership that she did, um, putting the conference together and, you know, um, helping out with, with SPE's um, leadership in the conference along with AAPG and SEG. Yeah, yeah. So SPE has a, I don't want to say a section, but a, a technical um, focus on like an SC, like a, a CCUS track, right, in terms of the various disciplines that are represented in SPE. That's correct, yeah. That, that's been going on for about five years. So if you go to an SPE meeting, even the annual meeting, they'll have... CCUS uh, sessions in it, right. but you know, as as uh, you guys just mentioned, you know, this is the conference now where that is entirely CCUS focused, yeah, um, yeah. which is pretty exciting. And I, I'll just say, you know, from from our perspective as an exhibitor, um, you know, you can see real business getting done this year. It's not, um, you know, hey, here's what CCUS is, or here's what you might want to think about. It's Hey, I need you know I'm, I'm drilling a well this year. I need casing. There's a guy down the uh, two you know rows down that sells casing. How much can you get me? When can you get it for me? And how much is it going to cost? I mean, real business is getting done this year, and that's really exciting yeah, for us. All. Yeah, and that's the value of the exhibits, right? Yeah. Is that you can talk with a lot of relevant vendors. Yeah at the same time and maybe build partnerships or whatever. Yeah, that's that's real exciting. And of course, it makes sense for SPE to have such a focus on CCUS as well because of the skill set, right? Petroleum engineers are the masters of the subsurface and it, you know, that's where it's going to start and sharing those um, until we get to the point where CCUS is sort of like its own industry and yeah. has its own specialty things. But still, the subsurface education is still going to be a real, a real factor on it. What do you thoughts about I mean you've been I've been real encouraged by the energies that uh, of everyone here so excited to be here so enthusiastic the the uh, various uh, technical sessions are like filled I mean there's a lot of lot of interest as you said everything's you know sort of sold out so um, in in terms of um, sort of the industry like jump forward like 20 years or whatever um, what do you think are some of the milestones um, with respect to building that industry, my guess is it's going to always have this subsurface. Um, it's always going to be energy companies of today going to be involved and evolve and expand and enhance in order to be part of the CCUS industry of the future. 
Um, so that's sort of my my take from outside looking in and having you know been with the government and understanding how the government kind of lays these little foot. I don't. I want to see these uh, high level milestones that just hope you know throw money at it and hope it you know it can it can work out. But but you probably have some more tangible thoughts about. Uh, more specific milestones that have to happen in order for um, the industry to really be an independent um, uh, entity in itself. I mean, right now we have a lot of projects that people are launching and, you know, the DOE, the government funding being invested in, you know, very good ways to kind of build that. But what are some of the largest challenges that need to be met? And of course, it, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole, I was going to say it's a sandwich. It's a sandwich with a lot of you know, pieces inside of it. I mean, you got the regulatory, the technical, the funding, you know, the, the, the social license to operate, those kinds of things. Um, brainstorm with me a little bit about what would that pathway look like? It's more than projects, right? Yeah, I think, um, to your first point, I think you're right that the early leaders are going to be, you know, kind of a repurposing of a lot of traditional oil and gas background companies, folks, doing CCUS, um, you know, there, there's a large crossover in the skill sets, the workflows, the software, the technologies, et cetera, to do CO2 storage and demonstrate that it's being done safely and securely. Um, but yeah, you know, give us a five years or so, um, you will have real projects going. It'll be out of sort of this modeling phase and, you know, um, Autumn and I are both geologists. We'll be very interested to see how much geology inevitably proves us wrong. Well, we models. know that's going to happen, and right? Yeah, but that's kind of the fun part, right? That's oh, right. well, we modeled it as doing this, and it, it, right. the, you know, the nature told us it wouldn't behave that way, and right. then we'll adapt. And, right. and at that point, to me, that's when it's really an industry in and of its own. You know, you're, you're injecting CO2 in the subsurface, and then we can say, you know, we're injecting into this type of rock or this type of geologic structure. We could do a really good job based on our geologic knowledge and our engineering background to predict what it's going to do. But it's going to take projects going for us to have, you know, an industry of itself that's kind of separate from the oil and gas industry. That's right. that's my thought. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. And I just want to kind of build on so why I think uh, events like this conference are so important is because it brings so many people together with different backgrounds like with with like our specialty being in the subsurface I might not really understand or have the you know the hands-on experience with you know how to engineer a certain <laughs> injection site or something um, and so that helps me connect with the, the professionals that do um, but these events what to me what's so important is having some sort of transparency and some sharing so that we can learn from each other what worked and what didn't work um, and having a collaborative space a safe space where we can all talk about that um, and come up with some solutions together um, yeah, I'm a very optimistic person, uh, so when I, I guess, look towards the future, what I see is kind of a hybrid, an, an energy hybrid, where it's going to be a combination of, of oil and gas with C2S, with renewable energies, maybe even some critical minerals in there with some recycling of like wastewaters and, and other types of brines that maybe are being produced to um, do some pressure management. Um, but I think it's going to be this really unique um, hybrid portfolio in the future. 
Yeah. So so we're recording here um, on day two, midday. So we've got half a, a day and a half to go. We've been through day and a half. What are some of the uh, insights from the different presentations you've either you know moderated or listened to or whatever? Um, Dave, we'll we'll start with you about what you've heard, what you'd like to. Um, have people think about uh, who can't be here. Now, this show is going to drop, um, you know, several weeks from now. So sure. um, maybe, you know, talk a little bit about what some of the takeaways so far. There's still sure. another day to have um, A general, certainly a general sense of energy and, and focus on the future. This isn't a... Um, it doesn't have the feel of chasing a government dollar or chasing something temporary. I feel like there's there's a, a foundation here of an industry that it has legs and it's going to last. And so, you know, the talks I've sat in have been, some of them have been university graduate students. Some of them have been folks from major oil companies. Some of them have been folks from smaller companies and service companies. And so, to me, it's starting to feel of a similar energy to one of the bigger oil and gas related conferences like a Yurtec, um or even the um, an SPE annual meeting obviously a smaller size but um, but it has that type of energy a lot of opportunity to meet um, you know we're, we're obviously we're a company that does consulting meet with existing and future clients um, and then I just say it, it, it I know we probably are outgrowing the University of Houston and a college campus. I would, I would agree. <laughs> which is great. But it, so it, many it, people here. Yeah. It is special to have it on a school campus. It I don't is. know. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I'm mid-career here, and, and I like to think that some of the kids you're seeing walking around outside, they're going to be doing CCS um, work commercially, you know, when they're petroleum geologists or petroleum engineers or whatever we're going to call CCUS, geologists and engineers. Um, so, yeah, I'm just delighted with the energy, the attendance, the enthusiasm. And yeah, to the technical content that I've seen in the presentations, it's pretty high level. Yeah, yeah. And some of the conversations that I have been um, sort of hearing as I'm walking through um, the halls or, or the questions after um, presenters are, I mean, everybody is so uh, like into it. It's just the all cells are firing in their brain as they're listening to these presentations, and the questions are really relevant and penetrating. So, yeah, it's a very exciting time. So, so Anna, what have you been hearing about, and, and what do you want to share about some takeaways from the conference so far? Uh, so, for this particular conference, I've kind of for, focused on some of the things where I need to learn more about, uh, things like ESG and uh, environmental justice, societal considerations, stakeholder engagement, a lot of those uh, like community and societal considerations and benefits that are now a big part of um, federal grants, um, and as they should be, and they kind of can make or break a project. Uh, so I've put a lot of effort into learning throughout the last year or so, um, and then we had a dedicated panel to it and a dedicated session to it. Um, and so to me, that's been the most uh, fascinating and uh, learning curve <laughs> for myself. Uh, and other things too, like trying to branch out from, from my comfort zone of the this pure geology and especially on the reservoir side and going into looking at things like leakage risks and how to quantify those and um, what are some different methodologies to evaluate, evaluate like uh, legacy well bores, like all the things that could pose a risk uh, both technical and non-technical to projects. One of the most interesting sessions that I've listened to is Bottlenecks to Success, and it was a 
360 kind of look. It was a really well-structured panel. Uh, 360 look at, at what has to happen and when does it have to happen and what are some of those interfaces and interplays. And um, definitely, I keep using the sandwich uh, example, but that's kind of what it is. Things have to happen in tandem in order for something to, mm -hmm. to move forward and break through in a big way that it needs to break through um, in order for CCUS to really um, come into its own, but also for CCUS to make the contributions to uh, the environment, to the world that we uh, are expecting that uh, CCUS to, to make. So that was a real exciting one. So, so people uh, who presented, um, did they submit a paper to the conference, kind of like SPE conferences uh, or the other conferences like ERTEC or hydraulic fracturing? Um, can people, you know, are these numbered papers that we can find like on one Petro or something? How do people follow up on, like attendees follow up on some of the things that they've heard and then sort of like, you know, share the knowledge with others outside who weren't even right. to come? Uh, so to, when we selected the speakers, everyone submitted abstracts. Um, and they're, they're pretty, you know, short, couple of paragraphs that, that provide an overview of their work. Um, Last year, we made all those abstracts uh, available after the conference, especially because we had that virtual component to it, and we had some recorded sessions that people could go back and watch as well. Um, I'm not actually sure what we're, what we're doing this year with the, with the abstracts. I've had that question a lot. Um, I've heard a lot of speakers talking with attendees after their sessions, and they're exchanging information, and I know that they're going to be sharing their, their presentations that way, which is just incredible that people are willing to do that. Um, so something I think that we really need to talk about moving forward is how to share the outcome of, of these presentations. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you definitely, you know, got the breast ring on this one, and it probably grew faster than you accept, expected it to do, <laughs> yeah. because, like you say, you sold off every sold out on everything, and um, the space is certainly full, uh, and I wouldn't say impacted, but maybe, <laughs> maybe, because um, it's Houston, right, and a lot of people can come, and it's on campus, a lot of, um, you know, students can come, and so it's really been, uh, I think you definitely... Uh, one on this on this try here with this year's conference, and um, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people will be looking forward to the conference for next year. How, when do you start planning for next year? Right at the end of this, do you know oh, the date already? We do. We have a a few dates that we are exploring. So right now we're just we are hoping to announce it this week, but we're. Look, locking on a location in a venue because it's not easy to find a place that can host now 1,300 plus uh, people. Right, right, absolutely. And Chris, you want to keep it here in Houston, <laughs> I would think, um, because this is where so many people are, are at and people come here for lots of reasons. Um, into, including to attend conferences. So um, next week is OTC, so a lot of people are here for both conferences who had to travel. You know, I am. <laughs> it's going to be here for two weeks to, to, to address both of these conferences. So, Well, we're almost at the end of our time. Is there something else you wanted to share as we close out, um, inviting people maybe to next year or, or, or some, of the, some of those kinds of things? Yeah, I would encourage... 
uh, your listeners to reach out to the different organizations, AAPG, SPE, SCG, with any type of feedback or interest in either participating on a committee for planning next year's or with topics that they would really like to see next year. Topics, that's right, that's right. Oh, God, this this conference has been so rich with com- with uh, topics of different kinds. Like I said, my brain's on fire from all of <laughs> the different things that I hadn't really, you know, thought about or thought deeply about. Maybe it's more, you know, yeah. thought deeply about it, how important they are. It's not, uh, you know, it's not uh, subtle, you know, those, those kinds of connections. Dave, what are your thoughts, last thoughts? Yeah, Autumn said it well. You know, if people are excited and interested in it, um, the planning starts immediately after um, after this week for next year. And for folks that are interested in participating either as presenters or serving on the committee, we're certainly always looking for volunteers. Um, you know, I would say, again, as, a, as an exhibitor, I would encourage folks to consider doing that next year as well. We've, um, I think we've, we've gotten a lot of business out of this. We certainly got a lot of traffic. And our, you know, we've gotten the name Advanced Resources out there even a little bit more than it already was by some folks that we haven't met before. So I'd encourage folks to even consider exhibiting as well. Yeah, yeah. You, you raised also the volunteers. And if someone wanted to volunteer, because you're already starting to plan, like, how would they do that? Would they go to AAPG or...? Yeah, they could go to APG. They could reach out to us individually. Um, we'll, you know, again, if anyone's willing to spend some time to help us, we'll ensnare them quickly um, <laughs> okay. and, and make sure their name goes on the list. So, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we'll put some sort of a connection link or something yeah. uh, in the show notes that people can follow up with you if they're interested. Because this is real exciting to be part of this. I, I bet you will get a lot of people who will who will volunteer to to be on this. So I want to thank you, Autumn Hogsma, and. Dave Riestenberg for joining me on this podcast today. You've done a wonderful, wonderful job in organizing this conference, and I'm sure everyone is as grateful as I am for the opportunity to come and be here today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Elaine. It was great. All right, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Elena Melker, uh, your host for Oil & Gas Upstream. Please give us a review and tell us what you'd like to hear more about on future podcasts. Thanks again. More next time. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.